following audio is from the Anglican Church, Caroline Springs. For more information about the church, go to taccs.org.au. Talking about Jesus, and he said, Jesus is about as relevant as Ernie Dingo. Um, and so I thought, thought that was cute. Um, this, this story, though, is about a woman who goes to a well wanting to get water and instead gets Jesus. That's a summary. So you can go home now if, if that's enough. That, that's a summary of what happens. And so um, the, the first thing we need to do is get our head around what the significance of that is, what the significance of water and a, and a well is. Um, so to just try and, try and tie something real to that, um, water here represents life for this woman. So in those days, if you read through Genesis, you'll find that um, when, when Abraham or Isaac, when they went to uh, different places, uh, the first thing they'd do is, is dig a well um, because that's where, that's where you'd get a community started. That's where sort of life came from. You needed water in order to start a, a farm and grow things um, to drink so your livestock could come along and... and um, and, and drink water. So that was the, the first thing you'd need to do if you wanted to start the life of a, of a community. Um, and, and today, this, this same sort of thing happens. Um, I was looking up uh, in regard to women especially, and, um, and the number of hours that are spent now with, by women each day collecting water from wells around the world. So the estimates are that about 200 million hours every day get spent by women collecting water from wells today. Every day. So just to try and get our head around how many hours that is, um, they've helped us by, by saying that's roughly the equivalent of the, of the hours it would take to create 28 Empire State buildings every day in terms of work hours. So a lot of time is spent by women going to wells every day to get water so that their families can live, so that they can live, um, and so that the community can, can keep on going, um, having, having life. Um, and, and, so, and so that's the sort of context. But for us, that's, that's difficult to, um, to kind of grasp. And there's, a, and there's a deeper metaphor going on in this, in this passage about uh, what water represents in terms of life. So for us to try, to, try and relate to this, you need to think about what our communities and what our life revolves around. So these communities revolve around a well. What do we revolve around? What are the locations, the places that we uh, revolve our communities around? So, so when, um, when there's housing development like this that, that crops up, what's everything revolving around? One answer would be that a shopping centre, right? So there's a, they build a shopping centre and they put all the houses around that. That's the way communities develop now. Um, we could say this, this church functions as a place where, where everyone comes to um, uh, week by week. Or you could say maybe, maybe Facebook, as I, as I mentioned. Everyone just keeps on going back to Facebook. That's sort of their home base. Um, or maybe, maybe your workplace or the family home or, or a stadium. There's these different places that we keep on coming back to. And, and really the 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 things that you keep coming back to on a regular basis, that's where we tend to get life from. So, so the, the, the underlying hope or the promise 
is that if we adopt a certain lifestyle, um, that, that we will get life from these things that we center our lifestyle around. Um, so what, what, you, what you get life from and what your life revolves around individually and as a community, that, that creates the lifestyle that you adopt. And so different people have different lifestyles because they, they get life from these different, um, different sources of life. And so we, we feel really anxious sometimes when, when we think maybe we've chosen the wrong lifestyle. Maybe we're, we're choosing to get life from the wrong places. Maybe we've, had, um, we, maybe we've gotten the wrong job or chosen the wrong uni course. Or maybe we've, we've chosen the, the, the wrong place to live. Or maybe we're, we've chosen to have the wrong number of kids or we've married the wrong person. And so there's these promises um, that, that have come that, that if, we, if we have this lifestyle and we keep coming back to these same places, then, then we'll have a full life. Then our hope is that we'll be full of life f- from these things and our life will overflow. And then hopefully we'll give more than we take. Will overflow with life. We all, we all hope that our life will be so full that we overflow into the lives of others. That, that rather than just taking out of the environment, that we help give to the environment, we help repair the environment. Rather than just hurting our kids, that we'll love our kids. That there'll be more love than hurt. That there'll be more given to the economy than taken out of the economy. We all hope for those things. And, and we hope that if we choose the right lifestyle that our life will be centered around, around these things and we'll be able to get enough life to then be able to overflow and we'll have an abundant sort of life. But then we've, we, we feel anxious, and, and this, is, this is mainly based on just my, my talking to a, a lot of you. I think there's a lot of anxiety about have I made the right decisions because what, what it feels like is happening is, is rather than g- giving more than I take, I'm actually taking more than I give. And rather than overflowing with life, I'm actually struggling just to keep my head above water, just to survive, just to hold things together. That the promises that, that these lifestyles provide just aren't matching up to, to the hope that they give. Um, and, and, so, and so then we, we, end up, we end up working late, we end up staying up late, we end up medicating, we end up having caffeine and, and just, just doing all kinds of things. Get, in, increasing our credit card debt, getting another home loan. Uh, we, we do these things to try and hold everything together. But after a while of these experiences of, of continuing to hope, changing our lifestyle, trying to course correct, we keep on having this experience that life takes more than it gives. And, 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 so, and so then we become cynical. We start thinking that if anyone promises that there can be an, another lifestyle where, you, where you'll be able to give more than you take, we, we start to become cynical of that. And our, and our heart just becomes hard. And we start just, just going, look, everyone's in the same boat. I look at all my friends, and they're in the same boat. They're just, they're just holding it together. And so, and so then we just keep on going back to the same wells every day, just trying to quench out our immediate thirst. And if anyone comes to us with a, with a hope that's greater than that, we just think, this is too good to be true. And we're cynical. And this woman 
was a cynical woman. And so I just want you to relate to her in, in that way as we look at this passage. So um, I haven't got Facebook loaded up on here. I've got my, my Bible, so I'm just going to be using this, just in case you're wondering. Um, so let's just look at, look at this uh, verse by verse. I'm thirsty, so I'll get a drink. And what I'm hoping is, as we read this, as, as, as we engage with this, that you'll, you'll have the same encounter that, that this woman had with Jesus. And, and that's something about what I, what I just said, if you can relate to any of that, that you'll see something of an answer in what Jesus is saying. Um, so uh, I'm going to go from, from verse 1. And we're going to go slowly through this. So let, let's look at the text and, and be patient. Um, now when Jesus learned, okay, I'm going to stop there. Now, when Jesus learned. So, first thing we, we find out in this passage is that Jesus is a man. He, le- he learned. So, John's, John's previously in the gospel talked about how Jesus is God. He's talked about Jesus' godliness and, and, the, and the miraculous signs that Jesus has done. Um, he hasn't talked much about Jesus' manhood, but we straight away find out that Jesus learned. He learned things. Um, so, just to, just to give... That, that context from, from chapter 1 onwards, Jesus has been revealed as, as the Word, the Logos, uh, as God, as Creator, as the source of life, as the true light, as the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, as the Lamb of God, as the Messiah, as the Son of God, the King of Israel, a ladder to heaven, the true temple, the serpent Moses lifted up in the wilderness, and the bridegroom. He's been revealed in all these different ways. That's a lot of revelations. John packs a lot of revelations of who Jesus is. And we're going to find out through this passage that Jesus is a man. Um, Once again, that he's a bridegroom, that he's one greater than Jacob, that he's the source of living water, that he's a prophet, that he's the true temple, again, that he's the Messiah, you're going to find that again, and that he's the saviour of the world. So this this is... John's unpacking the revelation of who Jesus is. So Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. So whenever you hear someone say, Jesus learned that the Pharisees heard, you know there's gossip going on. You know that there's a controversy. So there's a controversy between uh, re- religious people about someone who's, who's famous and um, there's a couple of famous people, John the Baptist and Jesus, and there's a religious controversy about it, um, which I'm sure you, you're aware of that this actually happens in religious circles. Religious controversy. And so Jesus just, just gets out of there. He's, he's, he's going far away from there. Um, what, what, what was happening was, was everyone was coming to the John the Baptist originally, he was baptizing people. All of a sudden, John's saying that, no, you should go to Jesus. And so now everyone's going to Jesus to get baptized by Jesus. And, um, and, and there's sort of a, a, a controversy surrounding that. The Pharisees have heard about that. And so I think Jesus is, is concerned that everything's becoming about the external. Everything's becoming about, about this water that you get washed in. And, and they're forgetting about uh, the, the internal. And, and so Jesus gets away from it. He wants to get away from water. 
There's an abundance of water, um, we've learnt, where, where, where people were being baptised. And so now Jesus wants to get as far away from water as possible, just to get away from this entire controversy. So, so he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. So, so he's departing from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north, and, and he had to pass through Samaria. So Jesus didn't technically have to pass through Samaria. So you've got, you've got Judea, um, Judea in the south, Galilee in the north. In the middle is Samaria. And on, along the, um, for you, the, the, the eastern side of, of, of this region, you've got the Jordan River goes down. And so Jesus could have gone um, around the eastern side by the Jordan River and bypassed Samaria. And a lot of people um, like Jesus would have done that. A lot of Jews would have done that because they wanted to avoid Samaria. So this isn't a neutral statement that just geographically you had to go through Samaria. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit more like saying, just to give you context, it's sort of like saying he went from Crimea to Russia and he had to go through Ukraine. So there's a lot of, of complexity to, uh, to what this is saying. Um, the, the other reason, uh, apart from geography, that he would have gone through Samaria, one thing is there's the Jordan River running down the east and what's in the Jordan River? A lot of water. He's, he's trying to avoid the controversy about baptism and so I think he'd want to stay away from the Jordan River. And so, and so he goes as far away from water as possible. Straight through Samaria. Um, also, he had to go through Samaria because he had to meet the woman at the well. So there's, there's these different layers um, in regard to why he had to go through Samaria. Um, but just to give you a bit of context of why the, why the uh, Jews would avoid Samaria, um, the Samaritans were, were viewed by the Jews as being unclean. Um, the reason for this, you can learn about this in Second Kings um, 2 Kings 17 just gives you a good, good outline of this. Um, that what happened was you've got the, the northern kingdom of Israel in the north and you've got um, the kingdom of, of Judah in the south. Um, so, you've, so you've got the northern and southern kingdom, which, which Israel, had split in, Israel had split into two, northern and southern. And then, um, and then what's happened is the Assyrians came in and invaded um, Israel, and and they they sent um, Babylonians into Israel to to try and uh, change the culture pretty much, and um, and a lot of the Israelites that remained in in Israel then started worshiping these Babylonian gods, and so from from the Jews' point of view, who came out of Judea in the south, the the Samaritans were, were a mixed bunch that, that worshipped, worshipped um, false gods that had intermarried with these other uh, pagan nations. And so from their point of view, they, they worshipped the wrong gods and, and they, were, they were unclean, even genetically. Um, so, so that's the context through which Jesus passes through Samaria. So this is verse 5 now. So he came to, to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. 
it was about the sixth hour. So the sixth hour is, is noon, 12 o'clock in the middle of the day. So this contrasts with Nicodemus that met Jesus at night. This, this woman is meeting Jesus during the day. Um, and, and John's helped us to locate this, this place and give it a little bit of a context. So this place, um, uh, Sychar, is, is near, near the region, um, the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So this is, this is probably um, a place called Shechem. And, and this, has a, this has a history in, in the Old Testament, in, in Genesis, of being the place where Abraham, um, where, where God first gave his covenant to Abraham, that, that in, this, in this land um, you, there'll be a great blessing for you, basically. Um, it's also the, the place where, where Moses, um, where th- through Moses, God renewed his covenant with Israel. There's history behind this place. And there's actually history in regard to um, men meeting women at wells in this place. So the fact that Jesus meets this woman at the well in this place is significant. We're meant to think back into Genesis um, about these incidences of, of men meeting women at wells. And also, in, in particular, um, the, the fact that Jacob and Joseph is mentioned is important. Because um, Jacob, um, Jacob's son, Joseph, was the, the tribe that the Samaritans came from. It was the, the northern kingdom um, came from, from Joseph, which was Jacob's son. And then Judah, which was Jacob's other son, that's where the Jews came from. And so, and so this woman is being identified with the northern kingdom. Um, and later she ties herself back to this, this history. Um, but the, the important thing I want, I want you to pay attention to is that th- this, um, this situation of men meeting women at wells happened with Isaac, and it happened with Jacob, and it happened with Moses. So there was an encounter between a man and a woman at a, at a well, and this, always, this happened these three times in the context of marriage. So a man, um, in, in the context of Isaac meeting his wife, um, it was actually a servant that did it, but there was this meeting of a man with a woman at a well, the woman would be the wife, and the man would be the husband. So if you think about this in, in context, we've, uh, Jesus has turned water into wine at, at a wedding. John the Baptist has said uh, previously that, that Jesus is the bridegroom, and John the Baptist is the best man. And so really, we should be expecting a bride to appear somewhere. We should be expecting that because of the, the build-up of this. Jesus is the, is, the, is the bridegroom. Where's the bride? Who's the bride going to be? And behold, it's a woman from Samaria. This is, this is controversial. So a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now this, if we read back, um, so I'll, I'll just give you the, uh, the, the verse. Uh, so this is from uh, Genesis 24, um, where Isaac's servant is sent, um, sent out to meet Rebekah at the well. Um, he's given instructions to say, uh, to say basically, give me a drink. And if, 
If the woman at the well says, sure, I'll give you a drink and I'll, and I'll um, give your camels a drink too, then that's meant to be um, the woman that Isaac marries. And so this, this is set up. And so Jesus likewise says, give me a drink. And so if we've got this marriage betrothal kind of scene in her head, we should expect that if she's the wife, she, she will say, if she's the woman that Jesus is meant to marry, that, that she will say, sure, I'll give you a drink and your livestock also. That, that kind of should be in our head if, if we've read Genesis really well. But that's not what happens. That's not what happens. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So in the Greek it sort of says, for Jews share nothing in common with Samaritans. There's this great schism between Jews and Samaritans. And John's letting us know that. So, 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 so the woman's a, a little bit thrown back by this. And often when we read this, I think we, we think about it from the Jewish point of view, that here's this, here's this sort of unclean woman being asked from a, for a drink from a, a Jewish person, and she's going to take that as really weird. But from her point of view, the, the Jews... The Jews are wrong. The, the Samaritans have the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. So they share that in common with, with the Jews. But, but they, don't, they don't believe that the prophets and the history of, of Israel that, that's, that's written in, in our Bible is true, or the wisdom literature. They reject all of that. Um, they believe the Jews, the Jews are dead wrong about all that. And they've even got their own temple um, on Mount Gerizim, which is nearby where they worship, and they believe they worship the true God. They believe they worship the God of Israel, Yahweh, and that the Jews have got it all wrong. So from her point of view, there's also this, this tension with this, this Jewish man who comes. Now, they probably don't have that same sense of the Jews being sort of unclean, but basically she probably thinks the Jews have a bit of a superiority complex, and this is just a little bit weird. Um, so her attitude is probably something like, I thought you Jews thought you were too good for us. You, you're, wanting a drink, you're wanting a drink from me. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So living water, this is a little bit of a play on words by John. Um, like previously, we'd had uh, the wind and the spirit was a bit of a, a, a play on words. This living water, living water was just the way in which um, at, at the time uh, running water was described or fresh water, water that flowed. It looks like it's living because it's, it's moving rather than just dead water that, that sits in a spot. Living water is, is fresh flowing water. Um, but there's also an allusion to water that has life in it. Water that gives life. Um, she, she'd been going to this well to get dead water. Jesus is promising living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? 
So she identifies Jacob as being um, her father, or the father of her people. He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or I have to come here to drink water. So I want you to get, get a little bit of a grasp of, of this woman's probable attitude. It's, it's hard to tell reading it and we can kind of insert any sort of attitude we want in here. But I think, I think that she's being, she's got a little bit of a, of a, of a sarcastic, cynical sort of attitude to Jesus here. Um, she's saying, where, where do you get that living water? So she's not, a, a, a lot of, a lot of um, commentators will say that she's just, she's just missed the point. That, that she just thinks Jesus is talking about, about normal water and he's talking about something spiritual and she just misses it. Um, I, th- I think there's a bit more attitude than that going on here. Basically, she's saying, look, how are you meant to get water? You don't even have a bucket. Like, you, you've, you've got nothing. She's in a position of power here. This is her home turf. Um, she's got the water, she's got the bucket, she's got access, access to this water. Jesus doesn't have anything at this point. He's thirsty, he's tired, um, he's in a position of vulnerability. And, 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 sh- and she is, is probably feeling a little bit like, this is a great ironic situation, that a, a, a Jew who thinks he's way better than us, who thinks we're unclean, is coming to me and asking for water, <laughs> Um, so, so he's, she's sort of saying, you don't even have a bucket. You've got nothing. You've got nothing to offer me. You've got nothing to offer my people. And you're coming to me asking for water. Jesus turns it around and says, actually, I do have something to offer you. He doesn't get into a confrontation, confrontation with this woman. He just says, I've got something to offer you. If you ask me... I would give you something much greater than this well can offer. He just offers it. And, and, and the, woman, the woman once again answers, I think, with, with a, bit of, a bit of cynicism, but she's softening a little bit. She says, So give, give me this water that, that I will not be thirsty. I have to come here to drink water again. It sounds like she's sort of saying, Well, that would be a nice idea. If you could give that, yeah, I'd, I'd go for that. I don't think she thinks that he can actually offer her anything at this stage, but she's, she's starting to feel as though, as though he can. Um, and, and I sense, based on the context of this passage, that maybe, maybe she's actually sort of tearing up. She's reflective at the moment. She, she's saying, so, so I will not be thirsty or have to come here to drink water. She doesn't want to have to come here to get water. There's something about this place that, that makes it that she, she doesn't want to have to be coming to this place. And so, some people have, have, um, have speculated that maybe um, 
maybe she, she wants to come here during the day rather than at night. Because at night, other w- women gather around the well to get water and basically sort of point to her, make, make fun of her, say jokes about her, gossip about her, um, because she's had five husbands, we find out later. And, and so she's, she's, um, it's been speculated, maybe she was promiscuous, and so the other women talk about it and she wants to avoid that. That, that might be the case. I just want to present another option. Another option. Um, another option is that is that um, based on is, uh, it's, uh, Genesis thirty four, something else that happened at, at this well was that um, Jacob's daughter Dinah. So so she's identified herself as being Jacob's daughter in a way. She said, "Our, our father Jacob." Um, Jacob's daughter Dinah got raped in Shechem, in this area. Um, going, going to the well is, it puts yourself in a really vulnerable situation as a woman. Especially, maybe, maybe she went, went quite late at night to the well one night. Um, I, I was reading some reports. It's a real problem around the world. I, I said before that a lot of women, a lot of their work time is, is spent uh, collecting water from wells. And this is really dangerous in a lot of places. Um, there was some report saying I think 75% of a, of a study that, that they did, 75% of women who, who had been raped in, um, I think it might have been Ethiopia, um, that they were raped on their way to get water from a well. So, so this is, is a real problem now, and, and it might have been a, a real problem then. I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that. But it, it happened at least once in the Bible, in Genesis um, 24. And so one possibility is this woman has been raped um, somewhere in this area, maybe fetching water at this well. But she, she, didn't ha- she doesn't have any choice. She has to keep coming back to this well at some stage. Maybe she comes during, the, during broad daylight um, because she's scared of going at night. Um, And so I, I want to I speculate a little bit further just a, along those lines and just know this, this, is, this is my speculation. So I'm, I'm just trying to look at this in, in another way. Um, that that she's, actually, she's actually been really hurt in this place and, and part, of her, part of her cynicism um, it comes, comes from being hurt by men. She's, she's been really, really hurt before by men and... And yet she's held on to some hope. Um, and so she's, she's gotten married. Uh, so, someone, someone's proposed to her and she's gotten married. But, but she's, she's hurt and so she's closed. She's, she's closed up and, and, and won't, um, won't, won't invest in, in the covenant of marriage with these men. Because she's just hurt. And so, and so she keeps on... Um, uh, uh, she keeps on losing uh, marriages because husbands could, could divorce women in this time really easily. So she, she burns the husband's uh, dinner and he can divorce her. It's, it's really easy and it's driven by men. So maybe men have just divorced her because she hasn't, she hasn't opened up, up to them. Maybe she's been really protective after having been hurt by men. And so she just goes from husband to husband to husband, hurt each time. And on top of that, other people talk about it as though she's promiscuous. And so she's really just, just closed up, she's hurt, 
she, she doesn't want to let anyone in, especially a man, especially a Jew like Jesus. Because on top of just the, the, the daily torment of just people gossiping and talking about her, um, she's also, she, she also no doubt goes up to Mount Gerizim to, to worship. And how do, how do her religious people um, relate to her? She, she probably has a bad relationship with religious people. It's bad enough, the Samaritan religious people, but Jewish religious people, they're even worse. And so at this point, Jesus said, go, call your husband and come here. So maybe Jesus, maybe she's, she's started crying. at this. I mean, once again, spec, everyone speculates about these things. Maybe, she, maybe she's crying and Jesus just, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I've got a woman crying. I, I probably at this stage, this is an awkward situation. She should go and get her husband, and I'll have a chat to him about about some of this stuff. Um, and the woman answered him, I, "I don't, I don't have a husband." So Jesus said, "You're right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true." So he's sort of saying, spot on, you haven't had that many husbands. But we find out later that, that from the woman's point of view, Jesus told her everything she'd ever done. So this is probably, John's probably just um, been selective about the, the narrative that he's taken from this. This is probably part of a long conversation that Jesus had with this woman. Um, but, but John said, this, this is the most important bit. I need to, need to record about this. Um, So the woman said, said, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. So in other words, Jesus has laid out exactly what's gone on in her life. Um, and so she's starting to really realize that Jesus, Jesus is a prophet, um, a Jewish prophet. So this is a Samaritan woman that, that doesn't believe in, in the prophets, and, but a prophet has, has come to her now. So she's warming up to Jesus here in regard to who he is. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So, so, so as I said, there's, um, there's a controversy between the Samaritans and Jews. The Samaritans believe that you should worship on Mount Gerizim, that that's the true temple, that that's, that's where people should worship. And, uh, and the Jews believe that it's Jerusalem. Um, that, that people should worship. There's these two places. So once again, another religious controversy. This, this woman's sort of caught in between, um, but she's on the, on the Samaritan side because those are her people and, and that's what she's brought up with. Um, and, and probably now might, might be a good time for me to just um, talk about the, this idea of Jesus being a husband and, um, and this woman being a bride. Because um, this is this is an important thing, and I've just talked about it on the on the on the ordinary level, but um, in the scripture, especially scriptures like Ezekiel and, and Hosea, so this is the prophets, they talk about um, Israel uh, being like a um, like a promiscuous bride, um, like a, a woman who's promiscuous, and and of God being like a husband. 
who is, who is constantly chasing this, this, um, this promiscuous bride uh, because this promiscuous bride, Israel, goes off and, and keeps on worshipping other gods, is unfaithful to the, the covenant given by this loving God. Um, and so, and, and so it, this, this comparison holds with, um, with Jesus and, and this woman. And, um, and, and the, the real issue behind all this is, is an issue of worship. Um, so the, the issue is that, that this woman and her people uh, worship God in a way that... Um, sorry, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> and I can tell you guys are all with me on the lost train of thought. Where's he going with this? Um, I'll, I'll, try and, I'll try and get back there. Um, probably need some water at this stage, like the woman. So Jesus, Jesus, instead of um, instead of returning back to the real issue, which is this woman's life and all the husbands that she's had, and the fact that she's she's kept on um, uh, sort of worshiping these men, probably, um, rather than getting back to the heart issue, Jesus just follows her on this course of of talking about this religious issue about where you should worship. Because really, that goes to the heart of the issue. It, the issue is worship um, here. And, and so, um, the, the issue is really in her heart in terms of uh, the husbands that she keeps on turning back to, hoping that, that the, life, the lifestyle that she has with these husbands and the life she gets out of being married by these husbands will, will satisfy her, her thirst, will, will, that, that she'll be able to have a life with these husbands and that will overflow into the lives of others. And, and she's been disappointed and hurt because the, the husbands haven't met up to their covenant promises, haven't met up to her expectations. Um, the issue with her is really worship and where she's getting life from. And so, so Jesus follows this, this religious controversy and points out to her that, that that is the issue. The issue is worship. So he says, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So in Jesus' response here, he doesn't say, he sort of could have said this, he doesn't say, well, you Samaritans worship on Mount Gerizim, but you really should be worshiping in Jerusalem, because that's where Jews worship, salvation's from the Jews, so therefore you should be worshiping in Jerusalem like, like, like the Jews do. She doesn't say that, and he doesn't. He definitely doesn't say, "Go and worship on Mount Gerizim." He's pretty much saying, "You're worshiping in the wrong place." Um, so the question is, where should she worship? The the key to this is in this use of the word "hour." He says, "The hour is coming and and, and is now here." When John uses the word "hour," um, 
it, it not only signifies time, it also signifies the hour of Jesus' crucifixion, the time of his crucifixion. So, so, um, so the use of hour is helping us to see that, that really that, um, that what she needs to go to is she needs to go to the crucifixion, or namely she needs to go to Jesus. And this goes back to when Jesus has been revealed as the temple. He said, he said take this temple down and I'll, I'll raise it up in three days. Um, so Jesus is the true temple where, um, where worshippers should go. He's revealing himself as the true temple rather than Jerusalem, rather than Mount Gerizim. But this woman needs to come to the true temple who's Jesus. And that needs to be done in spirit and in truth. It needs to, it needs to happen in spirit because like us today, we, we can't physically go to Jesus. He's not here as a, as a person right here and we can just go to him, bow down and worship in that place of Jesus. Instead, we can only access the temple of Jesus uh, through the Holy Spirit. And so... And so uh, um, and so it needs to be uh, a, 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 not an external but an internal, um, genuine, truthful act where we go to Jesus and worship. And this is, this is really relevant for us um, here because our tendency is to treat this building like as though it's our Mount Gerizim or our Jerusalem. That's our tendency because we can, we can see it. It's easy. Um, Jesus is, is totally throwing that out here. So some of you I've heard, you've, you've, you talk about this as, as the house of God. Um, the Bible doesn't use that language, New Testament. This isn't the house of God. Jesus is the house of God. Um, so, so we can't talk about this in that way. This is just a building. We could, we could go outside there and sit on the, the ground there and do exactly the same thing and it would make utterly no spiritual difference. Um, and, so, and so what we can easily do, like I was saying before, we, we, we position our lifestyle around things that we hope to get life from. And if your lifestyle revolves around this church building and this is at the center and you keep going back week to week hoping to get something out of this place, um, you won't get it. Unless Jesus is at the center, unless Jesus is where you, you, you go to get life from. Um, so that can happen outside of this place or inside of this place. Um, and that's what we're hoping happens inside of this building that, that, you, that we'd gather around and that Jesus would be at the center of everything we do here and that Jesus is the temple and that we would go to him and that we would worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That, that's the hope. And that, and that in that process that we would come and we would, we would get this living water that Jesus offers, um, that we would be given the Holy Spirit, which, which is the living water Jesus is referring to, and that, and that then our, our life would be, would be full and that we'd be able to overflow. But if we come to a church building and expect that we're going to get something out of this building, we'll get nothing. It'll just be like another well like this woman went to. And we'll expect something that, that it just can't deliver. And so the woman said to him, 
I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. So the Samaritans believed that there was going to be a Messiah that that came as well, um, and mainly that he was going to come as a prophet that would just explain all of this. Um, so, So in the midst of religious controversy, this woman... She, she probably thinks, well, maybe the Jews are right. How am I meant to know? Um, who's going to set the record straight? So when you've got religious controversy going on, once again, this happens for us, right? You've got different people making different claims about how, how to worship, what true worship is, what to do. They're making all these different competing claims, and, and we end up just confused about the whole thing. And like Jesus was, was escaping uh, religious gossip and controversy in regard to um, John's baptism, Jesus' baptism, and, and there's religious people talking about it, and he said, I'm just getting out of there. Um, that's sometimes what we need to do. And, and Jesus is the one that sets the record straight. Jesus reveals who God truly is. Jesus reveals what true worship really is. And Jesus doesn't say, go to that temple, go to, go to that place, go see that guy. He says, come to me. He says, come to me. Um, all who are thirsty, and and I will give you, I will give you drink. I will quench your thirst. Um, I'll I'll give you life that will then be able to overflow, and I'll help unravel that 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 being stuck and feeling like you you you're taking more than you give. I'll do that. And he's he's revealing himself um, here as as the Messiah, the the Christ. So. Um, so the Messiah and Christ, Messiah is um, uh, Hebrew and, and Christ is, is Greek, and they both just mean the anointed one. Um, and so this was a word that was come up with to try and describe in, 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 um, in, mainly in the, in the Pentateuch and also in, in the rest of the books of the Bible. So in the Old Testament, uh, there's all these allusions to someone who would come that would, that would clear things up, and the Messiah is, is that person. Um, and so Jesus says, that, that's me. That's who I am. Which is amazing that Jesus would reveal himself in this way to a woman, a woman of Samaria. Um, if, you, if you look at, at women through the New Testament, you, you see that often they're the ones that, that Jesus reveals himself to in varying ways. So, um, uh, so in, in terms of the the. The tomb, when the tomb was empty, Jesus was revealed to women first. Um, so it's good just to, just to look at this and just go this, this high view of women that this has. Jesus doesn't relate to women as substandard or anything like that. He, he relates to her um, on, on the same level as him. Um, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Now, I, th- I think she believes that he is the Christ at this stage, but she presents it to people. Could this be the Christ to arouse their curiosity? Um, I don't think at this stage there's any doubt in her mind that, th- that this is the Christ. Um, and it's significant that she leaves her water jar behind. Um, now, it could just be she, she leaves the water jar because she's excited and she plans to return, and so it's not a big deal. Um, but, but if there's more than that, then she's actually just left something behind of significance. 
um, if the if the water jar represents what, whatever she was um, what she was hoping would quench her thirst, but was just never enough. And now now that she's got Jesus, she doesn't need a water jar. I mean, she does. She'll go. She'll probably go back to this well, right? But the significance is that that. Whatever, whatever spiritual thing she was hoping um, to, uh, to get from maybe the, the husbands in her life or Mount Gerizim, now she, she, she didn't need any more. She had the true source of, of water, the true source of living water, the true source of life. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But, what he, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. And so what's, the, what's this? I'll just, I mean, there's a, there's a lot in that section, but the one thing that I want us to get from there is that, is that there's, some, there's some fruitfulness that came from this. Um, to use the my description earlier of, of life that overflows. Um, Jesus has, has, has uh, what he's done has overflowed into the belief of, of others. Um, he, has, he hasn't, as far as we know, he hasn't drunk any water yet. Um, yet the water he's got is, is an overflowing kind of water. And so without even, even consuming anything, he's already overflowed um, with, with life for these people. He's offered something to them. Um, he's given an example of the kind of, kind of life that, that we can lead without having to, to, to go, go somewhere, to go to, to shopping centers or, or to go to work and, and try and get something spiritual that will, that will bring this, this abundant, overflowing life. He hasn't needed to do any of that. He's, he's only needed to, to give um, of himself. And 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 that um, and that that really comes to a, a climax in, in when Jesus' hour comes, and he's on the cross, and, and when he when he died, um, there was a Roman soldier who wanted to check that Jesus was dead. It was his job to do that, and so he got a spear and rammed it into Jesus' side, and out came a combination of blood and water, which is good good sort of medical ev- evidence that he was actually dead. But notice water came out. So Jesus gave up his life um, and, and, and died so that, so that we could have life. The symbolic reference, that's in, in, in John's, um, John's book. The symbolic reference there to, to the life that comes out of Jesus and it comes in particular out of his, his death on the cross. That, that that's where we go to, to get life. Um, and, and his reference to fruit here if you, have a, if you have an overflowing life, a life that overflows with, with more life, um, the eventual result of, of water overflowing is, is that 
is that fruit will grow, that seeds will, will sprout and, and life will grow. Um, so there's an overflowing here and there's fruitfulness. And that's what we're hoping for, for, for our lives, that, that, that Jesus would, would, would fill us and that by, by filling us, then we would overflow with, with this spiritual life, with this living water, and that that would be fruitful because it would, it would, it would, cha- it would change the world. It would chance, change the landscape of our, of our community of Caroline Springs and that there would be fruitfulness in that. Um, so many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman, woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the saviour of the world. The saviour of the world. Um, So so another... Um, important layer that, that's going on here is that Jesus isn't just the saviour of the Jews but also of the Samaritans. Um, so when, when Jesus gives the Great Commission, he, he says, he says um, go make disciples of all nations. Go out to, to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Samaria is an important step in that process of the revelation that it's not just Jews who are going to be saved by the Messiah. Um, it's also Samaritans, and it's also Gentiles, anyone who believes. Um, and and so, so Jesus is being revealed of the, the saviour of, of not, just, not just Jews, not just Samaritans, um, also of Muslims, also of Hindus and Buddhists, and, and anyone who gives up their current worldview and religion and stops worshipping at, at temples and stops trying to, trying to seek truth in other ways but turns to Jesus and admits that he is the Messiah, that he is the saviour of the world, that he is the true God. When, when it says be, believes in his name, believes in who he is, who, who, he, who he has revealed himself to be. And so, in all of this, the way in which this, um, this all works in terms of worship, um, this whole, whole passage hopefully reveals how, how significant Jesus is, how valuable he is, um, that, that he's even more valuable than water. Which, as I said, it's hard for us to, to imagine that. He's even more valuable than water. Water, water is necessary for life. If you want to go, go look, find planets where there's life on, you look for water first. Um, water is so necessary. Jesus is more necessary than that. Um, and, so, and so the Christian life, a, a life of worship, is really about seeing the significance of Jesus, seeing him like you see water as being so central to, to everything. And if you see him valuable like that, which only, you can only see Jesus as valuable like that if God works in you and, and fills you with this, uh, this living water as Jesus has promised. Then, if you respond appropriately to that, like this woman did, that's Christian life. 
That's the lifestyle of a Christian. To see the significance of Jesus, the value, to see him like water, seem as central, and then just to respond appropriately. So I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there. I have no idea how long I've I've spoken for, whether it's been like twenty minutes or an hour. Um, but I'm gonna pray for us now and I'm gonna pray that that what happened to this woman would happen to, to each of you um, individually and that and that as a community that um, that Jesus would be at the center, that he would become like the well that we just keep going back to, that it wouldn't be this building or, or anything else, um, that he would always be central. So that's what I'm going to pray for uh, now. Lord, thank you for revealing yourself in Jesus. Um, thank you that that we don't need to we don't need to speculate anymore about about who you are. We don't need to speculate about what what true worship is. We don't need to get caught up in religious controversies. We don't need to keep going back to the same old um, wells that are dried up that we keep on seeking life from, but that don't give true living water. And Lord, this this promise that, that you will give living water, um, that you will give your Holy Spirit to those who trust in you is so good. Um, and Lord, I pray that, um, that everyone here would, would perceive how good that is, how bad it is to, to feel thirsty for, uh, for something more, and yet to be always going back to the same things, looking for more, but just never finding it. So Lord, please, um, you know you can, you can identify with our thirst. Um, and so Lord, I pray that you would meet everyone here where they're at, meet us all where we're at, um, and, and show us the way to, to springs of living water. Um, show us the way to yourself um, and help us by your spirit to 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 just know how we, how we come to you um, and worship in spirit and in truth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Anglican Church Caroline Springs podcast. For more information, go to taccs.org.au.